Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. All right. Hey, I want to share with you something that God's put on my heart for this week. He's just been highlighting different people in the scripture. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about Nehemiah. And last week we talked about David, and I feel like God has just given me these different characters in the Bible that I can kind of relate to where we are as a church, and maybe where you're, what you're going through uh, this morning as well in your family or in your life. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, is The Birthing Process. The Birthing Process. See, I think God has, has put a destiny and a calling, he's put a dream in some of us, and in, in all of us, we have a calling, but some of you specifically have had uh, something implanted in you, a vision for what God has for you, and it's like a child that you're with child this morning, and you're carrying this dream and this vision for what God has for you, but it seems like it's a long way off, and I think that this morning, um, we need to know it's up to us to protect what he's put in us until he births it. And I think that we're walking around and uh, being prepared for what God wants to birth through us, but there's a process that goes along with it because he's going to take you something, take you through some things to get you to be who you need to be to carry what he wants you to birth. Does that make sense? And so... Hopefully that explains to some of you maybe where you're at this morning that you're going through some things. And the reason may be is because many of us, we have to go through some things because God has to get rid of you. And... and I know not you, probably the person sitting next to you is very self-centered. Um, we're all about us, and don't look over at them. It's awkward right now, okay, because I know I would get in trouble if I looked at my wife right now. Um, but we want to birth our dream, and a lot of times we even call it our dream, because we want notoriety. Maybe we want a platform. Maybe we want influence. Maybe we want money. Um, maybe it, whatever it is, we do things for our own reason. And if we do things in a self-centered manner, God will never birth something through us because he wants to birth something through you to get glory for himself. It's not for your own glory. It's for God's glory. And so there's things you have to go through because God desires humility. And he will bring you to a place of humility if you don't go willingly, I've been there. He will take you to your knees and humble you because he cares enough about you to say, you know what, I'm birthing something through you and it's not about you, so you got to get over you so you can be a blessing to someone else. And we have a hard time, don't we, getting over ourselves? I, I, I heard this story about this pastor and he was leaving one church to go and pastor another church and one of the, the elders from his church, this, this, this elderly lady, she came to him and she was bawling, crying, and, and she said, I don't know what we're going to do. And he, he patted her on the back and said, it's okay, I'm confident God's going to bring someone that's even better than me to lead you. And she cried even harder, and she said, that's what the last three pastors have said, and they just keep getting worse. Because God will do some things to humble you. Because humility, I need you to know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And so we often think, oh, humility means I don't like myself or something. No, no. Humility thinks I th put others, means I put others before myself. I put God before myself. He wants to humble us and bring us to a place where we can kill this self-centeredness that's in us. And if God wants to burst something through you, he first has to kill you. So you can get the glory through what he wants to do through you. There has to come a place where you put yourself down and you die to self and say, God, I want this for your glory. 
I want this for your glory. And many of us, we're dream carriers like that. And so the, the, the person in the Bible that God highlighted to me this week who was also a dream carrier was this character called, named Joseph. Many of you, if you've been around church, you know his story. But he was special. He was born special. He, he was uh, born to his father in his father's old age. And so he was special to his father. In fact, uh, this Bible even goes so far as to say he, his father loved him more than he loved his brothers. Don't do that with your kids. That'll mess them up. I'm telling you right now. But he loved him more than he loved his brothers. He was favored. He had a coat of many colors that his father gave him, but he didn't give his other brothers. And, and it says that he was destined for greatness. And just like you, I need you to know this morning, God did not create you on accident. He created you on purpose, with purpose, and you're destined for greatness. I believe that God creates everyone with world-changing ability in us. It just takes getting to a place where we say, God, I want to be a vessel that you can birth something through. And so you can go ahead and do what you need to do on me, because the hand of God was on Joseph, and it's also on you. With all of that, you could get arrogant, right? I can imagine Joseph walking around with his coat, strutting his stuff, thinking a lot of himself, but can I tell you, there's nothing more unattractive in the kingdom of God than someone who walks around like they deserve something in church? How can you be arrogant about something that was given to you as a gift? Your gifting, you didn't earn it, okay? I know maybe you went and you, you developed it somewhat, but God is the one who said, I'm giving you this. And so we can never be arrogant for anything that we're good at, any gifting, any anointing. Arrogance has no place in the kingdom of God. How can you be in God's house and think that it revolves around you? It doesn't make sense, does it? And so God, he gives Joseph this dream, and I want to read some verses from Genesis chapter 37, and I want you to notice something. I ask myself, when, when God gives Joseph this dream, and he starts relaying it to his family, does Joseph talk about God or himself? And so I want to, I want to jump in in verse 6. I want you to count how many times he mentions himself and count how many times he mentions God. It, it says in Genesis 37, verse 6 and 7, he said to them, He's talking to his brothers. Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Okay, Joseph, you know, I'm God and I'm thinking, I gave you a dream. I thought you talked about me. That was just a fluke. You didn't talk about me. I'm going to give you another dream, okay? And let's see what you do. In verse 9, he has another dream. It says, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. You see, God has, wants to birth something through Joseph, but he can't do it until Joseph decreases. And Joseph is living this life about himself, and, and I need you to know that for, in order for God to get the glory through what he put in you, you have to go through some things. Like I said, he has to kill you. And so Joseph went through this process of dying to himself. And I want you, if you're taking notes, to write some things down. The first thing Joseph encountered was a stripping. Was a stripping. He, he had this coat of many colors. And, and one day he, he was sent out, you know, to his brothers. And he went out where they were at. And, and they thought to themselves, let's kill him. And we'll tell our father that an animal ate him. And so what happens is they take his coat of many colors and they strip it off of him. 
I can only imagine their jealousy. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes that, the one who you know, tells us he's going to rule over us. And so they strip this coat off of him. And they take what's on the outside because they want to abort what's on the inside. But I need you to know this morning, they might be able to hurt you on the external and take some and strip some things from you, but they can't take what God put in you because they didn't put it there. And you may have been stripped of some things. You may have been stripped of a job. Maybe you've been stripped of some relationships that you thought would be with you forever and they'd be with you in this next season. Maybe you've been stripped of some notoriety or whatever it is that you've been stripped of. You may have been stripped from a lot of things. Maybe it was favoritism or comfort or security. I need you to know that they can only take what's on the external, but they can't take what's on the inside because they didn't put it there. And so this stripping took place because they wanted to get what was on the inside of him, this favor, this mark of God. He was going to burst something through him. God had given him dreams of it, and they thought, if we take what's on the outside, we can get what's on the inside. The other side of the coin, if you're stripped, is if you're stripped of external things, it, it exposes what's inside you. And I think this is important that we get this this morning, is if there's faith inside of you, it shows when you're stripped. But if there's a wound inside of you, it shows when things start getting stripped from you. And I know a lot of people struggle with this um, because unaddressed wounds become infected and they show up in the area of personalities like bad attitudes or hard-heartedness, dismissiveness, cold-heartedness, refusal to let anyone connect emotionally with you. And we say things like, that's just my personality. That's just how I am. Can I tell you, do not call your dysfunction your personality. That is not your personality. That is your wound, and God wants to heal it. He's a healer, and in it's infection. We can't call it our personality. We need to become soul inspectors. You ever have something happen, and, and you just get like that icky feeling in your soul? Maybe someone forgot about you. They've over, they looked over you, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, what about me? They forgot about me. And you just get this ew feeling. You ever get that in your soul? Like, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. I think a lot of times if we will be open our eyes to these things, God wants to expose wounds that you have in your soul that are not your personality. It's not someone else's fault. God wants to deal with it, and he wants to bring healing to it during the stripping. He will take you, take some external things away to expose what's in you. And if you do not deal with what God is showing you in you, you will not be prepared to birth what he wants to birth through you. You won't be prepared to do what God wants to do through you because you're not allowing him to work in you. You see, God wants to shape you, like the Bible talks about in Jeremiah, like a potter shapes clay. And if, you do a, if I tried to make a pot, I'm not a potter. i got to tell you, it wouldn't have much capacity. It'd probably be lopsided if it, you could even hold anything. But a potter, when you get the clay in the hands of a potter, it can create something with a very large capacity, but you have to submit the clay into the hands of the potter. And the Bible says you are clay in the hands of God, and he's the potter. And if you submit yourself into his hands and say, if you want me to bend that way, I'll bend that way. And if you show me a defect in an area of my life, God, I'll give it to you, and I surrender it to you, and I admit I have a wound, and I need to be healed. And I don't know what caused it maybe, but I know who can heal it, Lord. So go ahead, I'll be your clay and you be the potter. I need, to, I need you to know that's the way that you can increase your capacity because what God wants you to carry, you can't carry until he's finished increasing your capacity. So don't get discouraged when you're going through things like Joseph. Don't get discouraged in the middle of it. doesn't mean God does not want to birth something through you. In fact, it means you're in a preparation period. You're in a stripping period. 
He has to kill the infection in you. The second thing that Joseph had to go through was the throwing. You see, he, he was, they plotted to kill him, and they, they took off his coat of many colors, and then this, the Bible says they threw him in this pit. It was a cistern, and commentators actually say that this throwing should have actually broken his bones, and, and if not killed him, he should have been broken. And I need you to know this morning, there's some, been some of you that have been thrown, and something that should have killed you, you shouldn't even be here, and what's in you should have died, but you're still here, and you're still standing, and you're still carrying something. You went through the throwing, you went through the physical abuse, you went through the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse, you even went through the sexual abuse, and you're still here, and God still wants to burst something in you you can go through the throwing and it's part of the journey but if God wants to do something through you that's the whole reason you're still here what was supposed to break you what was supposed to make you dead I hope you know you are not dead you are still here and that means God is not finished with you he went through the throwing the third thing Joseph went through was the pulling you know when you're in a pit and you can't get out you're dependent on other people his brothers they they decided you you know what, let's not kill him, let's sell him so we can make some money. And we'll just tell our father that he was killed by a wild animal and they put blood on the coat of many colors that his father gave him and they, and they actually pull him out of the pit. And I need you to know this morning, there's some of you that are stuck in a pit because you refuse to allow someone to help you and pull you out. Because you suffer with pride. And I know some of you are like, I don't, I don't have pride, Pastor Brent. Well, that's... That doesn't make sense because you would honestly rather starve than ask someone for help. You would actually rather be going through something and act like you're on top when really you're in a pit rather than being honest and asking someone, can you pray for me? And I think we're coming to a place where God is saying there has to be a pulling. You have to allow someone to, be, to take you out. I need somebody to pull me out. The problem with some of you is that you're hanging out with pit dwellers who are in the same pit you are and you're just being bitter together and you're being jealous together and the same wounds that you have are the same wounds that they have but you need somebody who's not in the pit who can say, I can not only pull you out, I can carry the weight of what you're carrying and pull you out of the pit. You ever notice that pit dwellers find other pit dwellers who don't even believe that they're in a pit and they walk around the pit together? We need some people to say, I'm tired of being in this pit and I'm going to ask and say, you need to pray for me. I want to be out of this pit. I need some people around me who can pull me up. I don't want to stay in this place. And they pull Joseph out. Then Joseph goes through another thing. The fourth thing Joseph goes through is he goes through the selling. See, his brothers, they pull him out and then they sell him to these people, these these people are going to go and sell him into slavery. And so these brothers sell him to someone. And this is a point where Joseph, everything you thought you had in you, you thought you had worth, you thought you were something. Well, guess what? We don't need you around. You ever gone through the selling? Where you realize I'm not as great as I thought I was. I'm not as honored and valued at work as I thought I was. My marriage is not as great as I thought it was. I'm going through the selling, and I wonder what in the world is happening. And all of this is happening so Joseph can die to himself. Because remember, it wasn't about him what God put in him. So the selling, it brings this tension of maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. But there's a reason for this. And I want to ask you, do you remember last week when we talked about David and his brother Eliab, David was, was anointed to be king, but before that, Samuel went to visit Jesse's house, and Jesse had eight sons. Samuel said, I'm going to your house to anoint the next king. Bring all your sons in. Eliab was one of the first ones brought in. David was left out in the field. Can I, 
Can I ask you to look at the story from another perspective? Because I think we always look at it from David's perspective because it's powerful. But what if you're Eliab? You were just out doing your thing. You weren't worried about being king. And now your father comes to you and says, hey, you might be the next king. Something I didn't even want, now all of a sudden I want. And it looked like elevation was about to come in Eliab's life, and they brought him in, and then the prophet says, God says, that's not him. And I'm sure he went through this period like the selling period, where I guess I'm not as great as I thought I was. And I asked God, what were you doing in Eliab's life here? Why would you put him through? Why would he be going through this? And I started to question, maybe this was actually God doing something in Eliab's life in this season that was preparing him for another season. Maybe God was trying to show Eliab that everything that looks like elevation is not necessarily your assignment. And I wonder if there's some people here who you thought you got passed over and you went through the selling, but maybe it was God saying not everything that looks like elevation in your life is actually good for your life. It's not your assignment. And so we have to learn to say, God, it's not about me. If this is my assignment, open a door. If it's not, close it. I don't need elevation. I need obedience. I need to do what you called me to do. The fifth thing Joseph went through is he was misrepresented. Joseph was sold by these men into a house of a man named Potiphar, who was a very rich and important man in Egypt. And, and he go, Potiphar raises Joseph up. He does a great job as his servant. He's Potiphar's right-hand man, and Potiphar goes away on a journey. And next thing you know, Potiphar's wife comes in to sleep with Joseph. She comes in in her Victoria's Secret, ready to go. And Joseph, actually, the Bible says, he literally runs away. And I need you to know that if you're getting ready to burst something, there's some people that will be around you, but they really just want what's in you. They see the calling of God on your life. You need to be careful who you allow to be in your life and to speak into your life when you're going through a birthing process, when God has put something in you. Because I... Joseph could have easily tripped up in this situation because there's people that are going to come around you when you begin to show, you know, like the second trimester, you begin to show a little bit and they say, you got something in you that I want. And they'll say, you should do this and you shouldn't do that with that. And you know what you need to do? And you need to say, you know what? I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to God. He's the one who's going to burst something in me and you're not going to abort what he put in me because you want to control it and you want to manipulate it. He wants to do something through me. So you got to be careful who you allow in in this season because they want to manipulate it for themselves and if you crave their affirmation and their approval and their favor I got to warn you you're going to sacrifice God's approval and his affirmation and his favor because you can't serve God and man you cannot serve two masters so you have to make a choice and Joseph made a choice he literally ran from this woman because he wouldn't sacrifice God's eternal favor for her temporary pleasure and there's some people that are in your life right now that want to keep you looking back to before God put something in you and they think it's okay you used to be more fun why don't you do this it's, okay. it's not in the Bible it doesn't say you can't it doesn't and all of a sudden they're trying to abort what God put in you and you already know what God told you to do and there's some people that you need to run from because you want their affirmation and their approval you stay stuck and God is saying I want to bring you out and I want to burst something through you but you got to get it through your head you can't win their approval and God's you got to make a choice it's going to be them or it's going to be God and I'm going to listen to what God has in me I love this story because Joseph he he just runs and then she goes back to Potiphar and she says he tried to sleep with me Potiphar has Joseph thrown in prison he was misrepresented by Potiphar's wife 
But you know what I love about this story is I never see Joseph defend himself. We live in a culture that is all about defending ourselves, right? If you wrong me, I got to get on Instagram. I got to get on Facebook and write like a vague book, I call it, without your name. But I'm talking to you, and you know I'm talking to you. And I want everyone to know what you did to me. You misrepresented me. But Joseph, he doesn't do that. You know why? Because he understands why chase down a lie. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? It is God that opens up doors and closes doors. So you didn't put it in me. You can't take it from me. And so I don't need to listen to any word that's spoken about me or over me. My God put it in me. I need to be humble and understand it's my God who's opening this door. It's my God who's birthing something through me. I don't need to defend myself. I read this story about Abraham Lincoln this week. It says, during the Civil War, someone reported to Abraham Lincoln that Edwin Stanton, one of the president's cabinet members, had referred to him as a fool. Mr. Lincoln replied, how dare he? No, he didn't reply that. Mr. Lincoln replied, does he know who I am? No, he didn't. He actually said, well, I must check into that, for I found that he's usually correct in his judgments. Because he was humble. He, he understood that he wasn't perfect, that it wasn't about him, and he could be misrepresented and not have to defend himself. Can I ask you this morning, who are you fighting against? You're not fighting against flesh and blood anyway, so why do I need to defend myself to flesh and blood? I'm fighting against principalities and powers, and my God has the victory. No weapon formed against me will prosper. This is scripture, people, and I'm telling you, you don't need to fight back. You don't need to post back. You don't need to subtweet, whatever it is. If you still use Twitter and you're weird, you don't need to do any of that. My God, it will fight for you. Joseph, he's locked up for something he didn't do. And the very last thing that we see Joseph face is Joseph faces a trial. Now he's in prison for something he didn't do. Joseph must have been, he must have been dead to himself by now, right? He's been through all of this. Now God sends in this cupbearer and this baker that were the Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker. And they have dreams. And, uh, Now, I think this is like a test that God wants to see. Are you ready now, Joseph? You've been through all of this. Are you ready to carry and birth what I put in you? Um, Joseph, he he gives these people a word. The baker, uh, he says, you aren't going to make it. You're going to die, okay? You're not going to make it. And to the cupbearer, he says, you're going to make it. You're going to live, and you're going to be exalted right back to the the right hand of the Pharaoh to be his cupbearer again. So he gives them these words. He has the perfect opportunity to talk about God. Right? This is awesome. My God is going to give you the, the interpretation of these dreams. My God is going to do something through you. And when you get out, remember my God. Now, Joseph went through all of that, so I'm sure he's not going to talk about himself. Let's look but on Genesis chapter 40, verse 14 and 15. My question for you this morning is, how long does it take you to die? Because in verse 14 it says, but when all goes well with you, this is Joseph talking to the cupbearer, after he tells them you're going to be exalted to the right hand of the Pharaoh again, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Come on, Joseph. I don't think you get it. 
I want to burst something through you, but it's still about you, Joseph. When will you die? My question for you this morning is, how many Sunday church services do you need to come to before you lay your life down and die to yourself? How many trials do you need to face before you realize that it's not about you and you lay yourself down and die? How many situations like Joseph went through do you actually have to go to, go through and still not die? My wife showed me this cool trick um, when when you bake a cake, to see if the cake's done, because the cake is tricky. It can actually look done on the outside, but on the inside, it's still gooey. And so what you can do is you can take a toothpick and you poke it. And then when you pull the toothpick out, if it's not done in the middle, there's like the, the goo in the middle, and it's how you can tell. And I wonder if there's some of you this morning that you, you have not died to yourself, and when you po- get poked, it's not solid. Every time uh, you get poked, you curse because you're not finished on the inside. Every time you get poked, you stay home from church. Every time you get poked, you curl up in the fetal position and say, where are you, God? Every time you get poked, you get offended. Every time you get poked, you get mad. Every time you get poked, you reveal, I'm not ready yet, God. But I'm looking for some people who say, you know what, God, pull me out and poke me one more time because this time I'm ready. I want to burst something and I'm not going to allow any wound, any any devaluing or selling. Nothing that I've been through is going to stop me from birthing something that you want to birth in me, God. Pull me out one more time and poke me. Test me, God. Find me approved. Test me like you tested Joseph and find that I'm ready to birth something for you. I found myself that for me to get rid of me and die. It takes a lot. It took me going through a lot of things, but God, I knew he had put something in me even when I was living in the world and I wasn't living for Jesus. I still knew I had the mark of God on my life. I don't know if there's anyone here who can still testify to that, that even when I wasn't in the right mind and I wasn't living for the kingdom of God, I still had favor on my life. And people said, there's something different. There's something special about you. And, and I thought I could burst something on my own and I did like Joseph did. And you know what he, he did? He started you know, like passing letters through the cell door saying, get me out of here. When you get to the Pharaoh, tell him about me. Tell him about me. But I need you to know that if you're sitting in a trial, that is no time to start trying to get yourself out. What I learned is when I was in a trial and I was sitting in the prison like Joseph going through a trial, I learned that this is a place where I can, you know, have some isolation and begin to lift my hands and say, God, I want to die to myself. I believe you have me here for a reason. What if your trial is exactly where God wants you right now? We're always asking God, get me out of this, God, get me out of this situation. What if God is saying, I want you right there and I want you on your knees and learning how to worship me because you're going to need to know how to pray and worship me in the middle of a trial if you're going to carry what's coming in front of you. God, I want to be able to worship in the trial. Even in the midst of a prison, I want to worship like Joseph. I don't want to look for a way out. I want to have a shut in and lift my hands and begin to cry out to God. That's where I learned how to worship. That's where I learned how to pray. In the middle of a trial, Joseph went through all of this. And I think there's some, Joseph learned something in the prison. I think he actually got to know God in a real way during all these situations in this trial. Because I know that's how I learned to know God. I didn't learn to know God because one day I woke up and said, hey, I'm going to check out this God thing. 
My pastor, when I was growing up, always used to say, you don't get spiritual because you want to. You get spiritual because you have to. And thank God that he put me through a have-to moment where I couldn't have made it without turning to him because I would still be lost and I wouldn't be standing here before you today. But my God saw it fit to say, you know what? There's a trial in store for you because what I put in you isn't about you and it's bigger than you and you got to die to you so that you can live out and birth what I put in you. And Joseph had to learn the same lesson. You know what it took? It took me getting in some atmospheres where the fire fell to burn some things off of me. That's why I can't do subdued church. I can't do it. I don't know. I don't understand it. And I, and I think the church, we've come to this situation in our culture where the church is ashamed to burn in front of anybody. But I got to tell you, that's the only reason that I ever found God. And that's what attracts people to God is when they see you burn. Uh, there was an old, there's an old uh, quote that says, get on fire for God and people will come to watch you burn. But I know a lot of Christians who will get outside these four walls and they don't want to burn in front of people. But I, can I tell you, you want to see people come to God, start telling them, come and see the man who told me everything about me. You got to know him. It's not like you thought it was. It's different. And, he, and I know you're going through it right now, but God has a purpose for your life. And all of a sudden, something starts getting stirred up in you. And it's different than the message that people hear about Jesus in the culture today. They hear, come on, he, he loves you. And that he's, he's all loving, and, and he, knows, he loves you. And it's all true, but can I tell you, you want to compel people to want what you got, you got to burn in front of them. You got to say, God, I want it. I want it. I want to birth something, and I want you to use me in my workplace. And if I see somebody crying, I need you to give me the words so I can come to him and say, Jesus loves you, and he's the answer. And I promise you, God, I will serve you, and I will do it, but you got to burn. We can't be ashamed to burn. And the truth is, your shout and your burning for God may be the very thing that's needed to get out of prison. You know, I think we read this story about Joseph, and I'm reminded of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. Do you remember this story? And they just started worshiping God and singing, and all of a sudden the prison doors flew open. There's something about worship. There's something about burning in the middle of a trial that the enemy can do something on the external. He can throw me into a trial and into prison, but he can't take what's in me. And in the middle of the prison, I can lift my hands and say, Jesus, you're with me even in the prison, just like you were with Joseph in the middle of his trial. God, I will not back down. I will not back down. And all of a sudden... I meet Jesus in the middle of a trial and something that's in me begins to grow and prepare to be birthed. You know, Joseph, the, with the scripture tells us that he was in this prison for two more years. Two years. I wish we could learn quicker. You know, I wish Joseph could have learned after the selling and the throwing and these things, but he didn't. And I got to tell you, you cannot wait to give God glory till your trial's over. You got to give him glory right in the midst of it. And I just see Joseph spending two years learning how to worship God in the midst of a trial because the scripture tells us that God was even with him in the prison. The stripping didn't stop him. The throwing didn't stop him. The pulling didn't stop him. The selling didn't stop him. The misrepresenting didn't stop him. And the trial didn't stop him. So two years later, let's see what Joseph says. In Genesis chapter 41, you see what happens is two years later, the Pharaoh has a dream. And he, he, he can't figure out, no one can interpret this dream for him. And the cupbearer says, oh, wait a second, I know a guy. When I was in prison, this guy interpreted my dream. So the Pharaoh calls Joseph to himself. Now let's see what Joseph says to him in Genesis 41. Have you died yet, Joseph? 
Starting in verse 15, it says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Jumping down to verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years and there are seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. This was the Pharaoh's dream. And then it says in verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. I think he learned something in those two years. I need you to know this morning, God wants to slay you. He wants to slay your will. He wants to slay your flesh. He wants to slay your desires and replace them with his desires. He wants to break arrogance off you. He wants to soften your hard heart. And he wants you to do everything you do for his glory. There was a day when Brent Christensen died to his own will his own desires, his own efforts, and all of a sudden, I no longer live for the pleasures and the approval of man. I live for an audience of one, and you have to have that day. That day could be today, if that's you this morning, and you've gone through a lot of these things. I want to read one more quote to you as the worship band gets ready to lead us. This is a quote by a man named A.W. Tozer, and he said, In every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us. No dethronement. No dying. We remain king within a little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. I need you to ask yourself this morning, if Jesus Christ himself did not escape the cross to birth what the Father wanted to birth through him, what makes you think you're going to escape death? What makes you think you're going to burst something without going through something? And I want to ask you this morning, will you come down and lay your crowns at Jesus' feet and willingly say, God, I will put myself on the cross this morning. God, I will die to myself. I want to burst something through you and for you because you will never burst something for God until you go through the crucifixion. Father, that's our heart this morning, Lord. Like Joseph, we want to burst something for your glory, God. 
And I'm asking this morning that no matter what we've gone through, Lord Jesus, whether it's the stripping, God, we'll trust you in the stripping. Whether it's the throwing, we'll trust you in the throwing. If it's the selling, we'll trust you in the selling, God. If it's being misrepresented, we'll trust you in the misrepresentation, God. And if it's going through a trial, we'll trust you then too, Lord. We want to die to ourselves to live for your glory, Lord, because this city needs it. My family needs what you want to birth through me. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? I want to ask you, as we begin to worship, I want you to just say to, just begin to say to God the areas of your life that you want to surrender to Him. Because I'm telling you, it comes a time where you have to say, you know what? The wounds in my life can't stay wounds because they're holding me back from what God wants to do with me. The people in my life, they can't stay around because they can't go with me where God is taking me. And they want to abort what God put in me. I have to protect it. Father, we want to protect what you put in us, Lord. We need your spirit this morning, God, to empower us to walk through this trial in the situation that we're going through. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just declare, Lord, that there's people putting themselves on the cross this morning and saying, God, I can't do it without you, and it's about you, Lord, and, I, and I'm putting myself down. I'm laying my life down this morning. Will you worship him for a couple minutes with me?